Welcome to All About HR. I'm your host, Tom Horn, and I'm on a journey to learn about all things HR. I'm documenting my conversations with thought leaders, HR professionals, and real employees about everything from recruiting, workplace of the future, benefits, you name it. We're all about HR. Let's go. All right, we are back for All About HR. Really, really excited about this episode. This episode's been a long time in the making. Have Tracy Sponnenberg with us today, one of my favorite people from the HR community, a client of People Element. We'll talk about that, but really just one of my favorite people. Tracy is an executive leader focused on aligning people's strategy with business strategy at privately held and or private equity-backed businesses experiencing growth. HR Rebel, Disrupt HR New Hampshire, and HR Rebooted co-founder. She's a speaker on technology, leadership, branding, and all things HR. She was recipient of the 2019 Rye Perry HR Hero Award and the Global 2021 OnCon Top 50 Human Resources Professional Award. She's passionate about the people experience, HR technology, selection and deployment, wellness program development, engagement, culture building, and turnaround, organizational development, coaching, leadership, and team development. That is a ton. Let's talk about all of it. Tracy, welcome to All About HR. Thanks, Tom. And and back at you. Also one of my favorite people. And I'm thrilled to be here. And I feel like we've been talking about this for years. Yeah. I mean, you were one of the first people that helped me find the courage to do this. Uh, HR on the house. I saw you on that. That helped me go, you know, I can get into some of these conversations myself. So thank you. And I know you've talked to Jeffrey. Have you talked to Nikki or, or Fran yet? Nikki, and I need to get Fran. He's going to round it out. So we'll get the whole house on here. Yeah, I love it. I know that was one of your goals. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a little a uh, little bit slow uh, checking the boxes this year, but hey. we're still checking boxes. It has been for us all. It has been uh, quite a year. Yes. So my first question to everybody, as you probably know, what are you listening to right now, Tracy? So this is really probably a little bit different. Um, I tend to read, if I'm going to read a business book or I'm going to read a book book, I tend to read a physical book. As, as digital as I like to go with things, I tend to do that. Um, I do dip into podcasts and certainly um, this one's great and HR Social Hour is, is awesome. Um, but often if I'm in the car going from one place to another, I'm actually listening to um, a show on Sirius on it's the uh, Jess Cagle show with Julia Cunningham. So it's all about pop culture and, and, you know, nerdy, nerdy entertainment stuff like that. So I love, I love listening to things like that. Oh, I love it. I'm always looking. This is one of my favorite questions because I'm always finding new things to listen to. So yeah. I'll look up uh, uh, Julie Cunningham's podcast. What was the name of that? It's the it's the Jess Cagle podcast with Julia Cunningham. Jess it's Cagle. on Sirius XM. Yeah, and Jess Cagle was the former head of um, uh, of People Magazine, and so oh, cool. and it's there used to be a show on entertainment. There was an Entertainment Weekly channel. Entertainment Weekly just ended. I was a charter subscriber in 1994. Big, you know, big, again, big pop culture nerd. And there was a morning show that I used to listen to every day that I miss dearly. So this is kind of my replacement. I uh, I know that show well. And I, Do know you really? the, I know the pain when it uh, when it shuts down. Oh, oh, that was so great with um, yeah. with Dalton and Jessica. I miss that. Um, miss that every day. Yeah, that was like my only pop culture thing I did. I, yeah. I 
I like pop culture, but I always feel like I'm arm's length away. But that uh, that Sirius XM, that was that was the morning listen. That was great. You could find anything you needed to know. Like I could tell you anything about the Housewives, which I don't watch, or about Survivor, which I don't watch, just <laughs> yep. from listening to that show. So uh, I miss that. And I don't um, listen to music while I'm working. I'm a like a, a quiet worker, so it's my listening is mostly in the car. Wow, a quiet worker. So yeah. is it just distracting? Do you try to stay focused? Tell me more about it. I'm curious because I'm have, the opposite. I have to have like white noise. I find it distracting. I, I have white noise, actually. I have a, a like a either a fan going or some type of white noise machine for to tune out other things. But I hyper-focus when I'm working in music or TV. I can't focus. Yeah, I can't, I can I can't, read I can't do TV. either, but... Yep, I can't do, and I can't even do music with uh, while I'm working. Classical or something, but I don't usually do that. Yeah, classical's good. Jeffrey Shapiro and I, uh, you know, we we share the same taste. And yeah. Those, those 20 minute songs tend to just kind of melt into the background. Uh, that's, that's yeah, good. I don't that's have good that working ever. music for us. <laughs> I don't have that, that taste, but no, I'm a. I'm a kind of a, like a silence is, is good kind of person while I'm working. Excellent. Well, let's talk about your work. You know, your employer, the Granite Group, you have a largely deskless work, deskless workforce. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, tell us about your organization. Tell us about the Granite Group, but also sure. how you're supporting and how you go about supporting a dispersed deskless workforce. Yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting organization. And I, I've been there for about seven years. And, and I, you know, from the outside looking in, we sell a lot of things, but one of them is plumbing supplies. And so you wouldn't think it would be that that complex and interesting until you get in. So I was really pleasantly surprised at, at what a dynamic organization I ended up joining. So we are a, a wholesaler of plumbing, heating, cooling water, and propane supplies and energy supplies now. And essentially, the best way I describe that is if you call your plumber, they come in and say, well, you need a, another wax ring. I'll go to the shop and I'll grab one of those and I'll be back in a bit. So they're coming to us or they're coming to one of our competitors and getting whatever um, thing that they need to help you in your home. And so if you think of any kind of plumbing fixtures and anything behind the walls or underneath the floors, that's what we sell. Uh, pipes, valves, fittings are what we're known for, but we go far, far, far beyond that. And propane tanks and, and um, boilers and you name it absolutely anything to do with plumbing, heating, cooling water, energy. So we've grown from a, you know, night, early 1970s, a one room supply house to 54 locations and rapidly growing um, today wow. all over New England, over 700 people. I think we had less than 300 when I joined a um, few acquisitions and, and um, just a really uh, a, a workforce comprised of people in, in all kinds of positions from office functions to outside sales, to drivers, to warehouse folks. We have a big central distribution warehouse in Londonderry, New Hampshire, and that feeds all of our locations every day. So it's like a hub and spoke model. They just mm -hmm. come into one of our locations. You need something, we don't have it. We get it to you the next day via our trucks that are going to all of our locations every day. Sounds like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> so our workforce is unique. It is, it is, it is. You should meet uh, Mike Wayne, who heads our central distribution. He's a former army ranger, and he is one of the kindest people you'd ever meet in your life and and just runs that a really efficient but 
loving and caring warehouse. It's it's pretty amazing. That's fantastic. I love the loving and caring part. That's yeah, uh, yeah. Not always associated with some of the warehouse. No, no, absolutely not. But he does it. Excellent. So, you know, how, something I always think about, especially with you know the specialty type of supply, I feel like there's always this special relationship that it, it's just a better customer relationship because everybody kind of knows all the same stuff. And I feel like, you know, we see the auto guys going into the auto stores, like they're always kind of having this back and forth. Does your team, do you, do you find that your team has these like really good back and forth relationships with your, with your customers? Oh yeah. I, I mean, my CEO says often, you know, we're not in the distribution or, or wholesaling business. We're in the relationship business because you could technically buy what we sell a number of different places often for cheaper, but you can't get the kind of relationships and you can't get the the kind of service that we offer. You just can't. And that's what we're known for. And that's how we hire and that's how we train and that's how we help people learn. And, and when I say we're truly people first, we're truly people first and that, um, you know, we really hire the best people. We really truly do because that's our business. Our business is relationships. Absolutely. I love that. I love when organizations can focus on the end result rather than what's the yeah. dollar or what, what else is yeah. changing hands. One of my favorite things is when I'm visiting our locations and I visit all of them, it's not quite as easy as it was when I first started. Uh, but just sitting at the counter, we have to trade counter, right? You go and sit in the counter at the counter and just listen to the customers coming in and interacting and, Always, almost always, with very few exceptions, maybe a new person greeted by name, you know, they're usually, our, our people are usually knowing what they need or want. And, and uh, it's a really fun thing for me to get to do. And I learned so much about our business, about our people and about our customers that way. So it sounds like some of your secret sauce is get out, interact and be with, be with your people, be with your team. For me, for me and our organization, yeah, we're an in-person business. You know, you can do that in a virtual environment as well, but I spend as much time as I possibly can out and about. And, and that's a hugely important um, thing for me to do. And it's a wonderful use of my time because literally every place I go, every single time I go somewhere, I learn something that I wouldn't have learned if I was not standing in front of someone. So, you know, I always email out ahead of time and, and, when you're face to face with someone, whether that's across the screen or whether that's in person, sometimes it's easier to communicate challenging things or ask the hard Agreed. questions or give that that tough feedback or that great feedback. And and so I love it. I love it. I have a trade show later this week with our customers. And so I go, yes, to meet our customers, but I also go so that I can see, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of our people all at once. That's excellent. So what are some of the other things that you do to create that culture and, you know, and drive that connectivity? Um, are there Slack channels or, you know, you can't always be out in person. Um, I'm sure it's fantastic when you get to get out, but what are some of the other pieces that you have in your structure to support the team? So that's something that communication and internal comms piece is something we're currently trying to solve. And it is really, really difficult because we have distinct people in our workforce. We have a, a large Part of our people could use Slack. We don't use it. We tried it and failed failed miserably. Um, we have a large amount of people who would use it. We have a large amount of people who would not. And then we have people who don't 
everyone has email. They don't check their email. They don't check their computer at all. They don't get on except to, you know, punch in and out um, during the day. So, so that's something that we're always trying to solve, which we have to because we always operated with getting out there and communicating something in person is best. And you know, Monica, and she's out in the road today, even talking about our new um, performance review system. And until we get in front of people, often things don't get done. And, and that's not something that we're going to be able to scale. So we're currently trying to figure out what that, that looks like. But yes, that's a secret sauce. And do we have, do we use email? Do we use home mailings? Yes. Do we have an internet that we use? Yes. But we're really trying to segment our, our personas and, and really communicate to people how they need to receive that information. And it's a little bit different for everyone. So we tend to use, unfortunately, use email a lot. And um but face-to-face for us is still the best. So at, at the location level, you know, what do you call, do you call a general manager or a store manager, or location yeah. manager? What's that structure? And, you know, what's that role look like? What part do they play, um, you know, in, in leading the team and connecting the culture to, um, to their individual unit, to uh, your organization as a whole? Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up because we are a little bit unusually structured. So we have, you know, say 54 locations, each location has what we call a branch manager. Each location is called a branch and they function as almost like a CEO for their, for their business, for mm-hmm. the, right? So they have a P&L, their responsible, their responsibilities are very much like that. Uh, we also have seven regions, seven regional director, directors that function almost as an extension for our team. So a lot of the things that used to be under the kind of traditional HR, we'll talk to HR about that. Go to, you know, I have a person with uh, body odor, I'm going to send them to HR, or I, I'm going to send somebody to HR to have this conversation. So we have, and that was very much our culture in the beginning, we have over time trained our managers, spent a lot of time with them and, and um, our regional directors, particularly to deal with a lot of the people issues, because we're not there's only eight of us in the team. We're not everywhere all at once. So those regional directors and in turn, those branch managers become incredibly important, not just for the sales of their branch, but also for their for their people and for the day to day. And and they are the ones that can make or break their culture. They are the ones who can make right. or break that people experience. They are the ones who their people are largely going to day to day. So So I may oversimplify it and say, yeah, we're getting out and we're doing this. We leverage them. We leverage our, our uh, regional directors and our, you know, directors of sales and all of that, all of the time. And they're incredibly important to getting any initiative through or communicating what we need to communicate. Excellent. That's uh, that's the world I came I came from, and uh, it, it seems very similar. We always found that it, it was those positions that had the biggest impact on the entire business, on all parts of the business, from culture going both ways, from financial success to any of the, you know, you bring in new LMS, are they using, are they adopting, are they bought into it? So it's really, really important to take care of those rules. Yeah. If, if you have a new, um, for example, or new s- a system for reviews or the manager in one of our locations that we're co-located with is, is a super user. So his people are all bought in. We have another few locations where the managers aren't using it. So the people aren't, their people aren't using it. Incredibly important. Most important, everybody's important. That is the most important position in our company because it can make or break our, our really entire culture. So what is, uh, I'm going to go off, 
off script you a little bit, but what's the training and focus for that those type of positions specifically? How do you make sure they have the tools um, to to excel at their position since it's so important? So it used to be, it's your turn. Here's a branch. Here you go. Um, so so like a lot <laughs> good of luck. companies, yeah, yeah. See ya. Yeah, good luck. Uh, so that used to be how we. Um, you know, how we operated, like a lot of companies. And over time, a number of years ago, and this predates me, we developed a training program. And so that was meant to take people from outside the industry, because at that point, all of our managers had industry experience, um, you know, and they tended to to not have college degrees, which you don't need to have um, to succeed in our company. Uh, And they tended to be you know, white males, it, our industry tends to. And so years ago, we created a program to bring people from outside the industry in and really give them everything they needed to know to run a branch and accelerated training within a couple of years. So we started to bring more and more of these trainees into these branch manager roles. And they are incredibly successful. And most of the trainees, not all, but most of them came with a college degree because that was something we were missing. And we wanted a, a diversity of thought there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've started to bring in more women to run branches. We now have several women running branches. We've started to, you know, look at all different kinds of people that that weren't represented before. And so that was really, really important. So that's that's one thing. The other thing is we elevated the branch manager training to a strategic company initiative. And so we're putting an awful lot into that to make sure that our managers have the training they need. And we've worked with a executive coach who does training and strategic planning to help us upskill those managers. We've developed coaching partnerships. We've developed an emerging leader program. So we're building community connections. So we're really focusing hard. That's our our number one um, people initiative. We have three people initiatives, but it's, um, so incredibly important. We have a lot of work to be done, but we've done a lot of work thus far. Congratulations on the work you've done so far. It seems to be providing some fantastic success for your team. So speaking of success for your team, uh, I'm going to jump around yet again, but I think we're just on this, you know, this track, this conversation of upskilling. So I want to, I, I want to stay here. And I've been lucky enough to work with the Granite Group and and connect with you outside of, you know, our HR community. And along the way, uh, I was lucky enough to meet Monica from your team, and I just absolutely love her story. Um, and I, I loved talking with her, working with her. But this is one of the—it's the exact same thing you were talking about. That nothing makes me happier than hearing organizations talk about we hire for X, Y, and Z, not just what was your title. Oh, you have you run a plumbing supply store before? No, okay, you don't get to run ours. Um, it's more skills. It's more personality. Um, it's, you're looking for that right fit. So I love Monica's story. Would you, would you mind sharing, uh, uh hopefully Monica's okay with it, but, uh, would you mind sharing oh, her is. story? All right. Perfect. Great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she is. So I, I love working with people who don't have HR experience and I think you don't need to have HR experience to, to work in HR. I know that might be a somewhat controversial topic. And, and so my last company, one of the best people in HR I ever worked with, um, didn't come from HR. And she's, we're still in communication. We just messaged the other day. She's incredibly successful and um, came from a, a retail background. So Monica, as you know, is amazing. And Monica has been with the Granite Group just about as long as I have, about seven years. And she started in our uh, 
accounts receivable department. And she showed up one day with a resume in hand, had been trying to, to get work, had been a stay-at-home mom for years and doing some catering on the side and then owned her own bakery for a little while and wanted to get into an office type of role and, and was having no luck. So she showed up, she met uh, Jessica, who's our head of accounts receivable. They just talked, Jessica gave her a chance and she came into accounts receivable for the next five or so years. Well, accounts receivable is accounts receivable and wasn't, you know, Monica's dream job. And she, she was promoted while she was there and was the assistant manager. And she started looking for jobs externally. Um, I knew she had an interest in wellness. I knew she had somewhat of an interest in HR and, and she went and talked to our CFO and our CFO and I talked together and, and kind of put our heads together. I brought Monica in. I'm like, what kind of jobs are you applying for? And she's like, well, in the talent space, I said, well, <laughs> and two things. I loved Monica. She was terrific. I saw an opportunity to add to my team because we were not going to lose her. And so we actually created a role called um, people experience manager for Monica. And her, essentially her role is to oversee the people experience from once somebody comes on board because we have a small talent team that does before all the way through. And that's where your partnership comes in through the through the exit. And she does a lot of different things, some super fun, some, you know, more mundane day to day. And we recently promoted her again to director of people experience. And now she's overseeing a whole um, segment of our team and she's really driving um, strategic initiatives and she's working closely with me and and she's learning everything that I do so that one day she can step into this role. I love it. I, I mean, that's that's fantastic. I didn't know she now carries a director title. I'll have to yeah. reach out and congratulate yeah. her. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. fantastic. And, and I just I'll applaud you and your CFO for just identifying talent and finding a way to keep it at your organization and help develop that person and give them new skills. I mean, those are the win-win scenarios that that gets me up in the morning. Yep. Yeah. And she's, she, she has everything that she needs except for that background. Right. And so we're, we're giving her that, that training and education. She's got everything else. She makes decisions. She, you know, she is not afraid to tell me if I'm wrong. I love that actually. And she's not afraid to make a mistake, which you can't help but do that when you're new to the field. And I make mistakes every day that, that you can't help but do that regularly. You learn from it, you move on. Here, here. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, upskilling. I know that's one of your biggest areas of passion. And I think you've given an example of that. But let's let's talk a little bit more about what that looks like um, from more of a structural level. And sure. we'll be right back. And we'll jump right into that. All right. It is time for the HR Hot Sauce. Tracy, are you ready? I think so. I think I know what I'm getting into. <laughs> What's the best job you've ever had? Uh, I'm going to say my job now. I'm, I'm really lucky to work at a great company with incredible people. I will tell you the most interesting job I ever had was a mystery shopper. What's the one phrase at work that drives you nuts? Circle back, you know, strategy, I think is overused. I think we could go on and on and on. Oh, see? <laughs> so I drive it's good you're able to look in yeah. the mirror. <laughs> do you like working on rainy or sunny days? Sunny. I do not like rainy days. 
How can someone make your day at work? Feedback on my team. You know, sharing something with me that somebody on my team did to make their day and then getting to share that with them and with our CEO is is pretty awesome. So that really makes my day. Love it. Best useless skill. Really good at trivial pursuit. Mild, medium, hot, or nuclear. I'm not a sauce person, period. But if I had to pick, I'd go with mild. What's the one song you go to to bring you out of a funk? It's also my my pump up song uh, for. It, it's on my playlist for when I'm getting ready to speak. It's uh, "Boss Bitch" by Doja Cat. I don't know if you're going to need to edit that, but <laughs> that's that's a very <laughs> no, no, to- totally okay, <laughs> and a good song. Yes. All right, Tracy, you are done with the HR hot sauce. We're going to get back to the show. And we're back. Tracy, we just heard that fantastic story about Monica and how you're able to give people an opportunity. It's She didn't get the job because of her resume. She got the job because of her work ethic, because of who she is, because of uh, you know her talent. But she still needed to learn the skills of HR. And I know... And I've heard you say it and I see it on LinkedIn and and Twitter and I've heard you say it in person, but you love talking about upskilling HR folks. What do you love about it and how do you go about doing that? So one of my favorite things about working in this field is, is watching people grow, whether that's people on my team, people in my company, people on LinkedIn, outside, you know, my, my colleagues um, in similar roles, but watching people grow and, and having a tiny part in someone's development uh, is just an honor, a real honor. So I'm super passionate about that. I also feel like if I'm talking about externally, like, okay, you don't need this or you don't need that, I've got to walk the walk, right? So I've, I've got to do that. And I've always been passionate about that. So we were, like I said, we were a pretty tactical team um, when I first started and we slowly through technology evolved um, and automated the things that we could automate so that we could focus on the things that really mattered. And and um, over time, we just got better and better and better and, and sharpened our focus. And now where our focus is squarely on the people experience. And so with that came some addition of people and came some shifting of people's responsibilities. And, you know, I'm talking shifting of responsibilities for people who've been in the world of work for, you know, four decades. So, uh, and one of those people is uh, morphing into a people analytics specialist. One of those people is is morphing into head benefits. Um, we have uh, one of our uh, someone on our team that's morphing into leading technology. We have so so how I do it, and this may or may not work for for others, but how I do it is I really try to align um, someone's interests and skills and areas of expertise with the the business needs at that time. So a couple of years ago in the pandemic, in the middle of the pandemic, I took everyone out individually to lunch and had a really kind of heart to heart career conversation and really talked about what they really want to do, what they're best at, but what really brings them joy with their job. And I tried my absolute best and we're finally almost there to craft that job for the person keeping in mind the business needs. So to create um, jobs within our team for our people, because if we're not, if our team isn't 
loving what we do, if we're not engaged with what we do, if we're not satisfied with what we do, what's that going to look like to the rest of our team? So, so I tried my absolute best and we're nearly there and um, it's pretty exciting. Wow. Congratulations. You know, it's that old, you know, you got to have the right people on the bus and then exactly. some people say, well, you got to have the right people in the right seat on the bus. Correct. Yep. But if you really have the right people, there's more than one right seat for those people that are on your bus. So it really yeah. goes back to that higher, um, higher right yeah. at the beginning. And then you have this talent that you can, um, you know, that you can mold yeah. and use and help grow for both business and their, their careers. That's fantastic. We have, um, we have Abby on our team who's joined us five years ago as a part-time front desk receptionist. She was a farmer, a student, and just kind of was looking for something to do. And, and we kind of sneakily brought her in as full-time over time. And she was in an admin role. And we talked about this yesterday in our department meeting because we're really open. And she absolutely hated it absolutely hated it toward the end just did it was not suiting her we put her in a um a talent specialist role handling mostly onboarding that's her favorite thing she's extraordinarily mm -hmm. good at it and um she's super super happy and super super engaged and so you know that's that's what work should be you know it's not i <laughs> agree it's not it's not always fun but you should enjoy what you're doing you should you know it you shouldn't go home at the end of the day or log off at the end of the day and just be completely dead and completely worn out you should be somewhat energized i hope by what you do i agree 100 percent. ideally yeah ideally. right like, so not that every I... day <laughs> not every day not not everyone but ideally so i'd be remiss if we don't bring this up but quietly quitting is like the big everybody's weighing in thing i think it might be the worst named thing because like i don't know what's your take on that and like what's your understanding is the understanding really that people just stop working at nine to five or is it that people are not working hard during the nine to five because they're not engaged or because they're stressed out or i I haven't weighed in because first of all, I don't think it's really a thing. I think it's just called working. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I, I mean, my understanding is that it's giving a hundred percent instead of 150, which is just yeah. like, okay, norm, right. That's what we should yeah. be doing. So I think it's one of these things that is just going to kind of blow up. And, and I think if that is what it is, people have been quiet quitting for years. I mean, Lori Ruderman talked about it in her book, yeah. like being a slacker at work. It's I, 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 yeah, it's just, I don't think it's a thing. Yeah. I totally resonated with that slacker piece. It yeah. actually gave me a lot of peace. I was reading it when, Oh, Hey, I yeah. fit in, I fit into one of these, you know, and the generalist, when she talked about that too, I was like, Hey, yeah. I, I fit into an actual category. Like, Hey, and it's not yeah. bad. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's not bad. I think we all at one point or another, and I know I have not this one, but I've had a job before where I was just like, you know, plugging away yeah. and you do what you need to do, but that's it. And that's sort of how I look at quiet quitting, which is not a thing because it's not quitting. I agree. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not quitting and it's not. Yeah. Somebody just named something. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. but I, I'm just surprised how much conversation there is on it. It's just exploded. It's, so much, it's, so it's much. Wild. Yeah. So much. I weighed in on it yesterday and I kind of like regret it now. 
<laughs> well, this is like it's just such that a thing. Something's going to be tomorrow, and then, but this is just one. I, but yeah, I hope it goes away. Let's uh, let's find out this conversation with something that I definitely want to talk about, and it's a topic that is really passionate to me, and it's something I try to really come and bring value to my relationships um, every day. You know, I'm in business development. I, I sell people element software, but I look at it as trying to form great relationships and help people with things they need help with. Um, that's it. And in doing so, I believe it's not about talking about how awesome people I mean, it is. It's getting to know my clients, supporting my clients, showing up, um, showing up when they're doing uh, you know, when they have a big event, showing up when uh, they have a release, interacting with them, supporting them, helping spread their message um, as well. And I think, you know, in the HR tech space um, in, in general, I think there's a lot of opportunity for vendors to do a better job of not just selling their wares, but truly supporting HR. And I think, you know, you talked about it, how HR can do better jobs of helping support the vendors. And when both sides are working on it, it becomes really cyclical. But I saw you talk about that in Denver, and it just really resonated. I thought that was a fantastic presentation. But tell me what a vendor partner means to you. Sure. And it's, it's if we couldn't guess, those people listening to Tom and I have actually met in real life in person, and we get to spend like a half hour together, which is really cool after that. So um, I think I was in what I think is a minority of, of HR professionals in that I was not looking at vendors as a potential as partners. I was looking at vendors as vendors. And uh, I think, I do think that that's what the majority of, of people in HR do look at. And I think that's an extraordinarily, um, a, a really extraordinary missed opportunity, I should say. And that changed for me, maybe five or so years ago, so much so I wrote an article for a magazine about it and then got a lot of <laughs> a lot of vendor connections after that. But it changed for me when I saw my husband, who is essentially a vendor. He's a CFO and COO consultant. And he was reaching out to people that he knew or people that he'd met um, and not prospect and not like, here's the six paragraphs of why I can change your business. Just like, hey, I'd love to chat or hey, here's what I do. And his, the response of people actually responding to him, and these were largely people he knew, mm -hmm. it was like single digit percentage. It was just absolutely wild. And really, I think he's he was really disheartened and it was really frustrating and he's extraordinarily good at what he does. And um, again, people that he knew. And it got me to thinking about like, okay, and he's very successful and that was just sort of a like a turning point for me. And of course, as a vendor, you have to go through a lot of rejections, but it was just, it got me to thinking like, how many emails, or how many LinkedIn messages do I ignore? You know, how many opportunities do I miss of, of talking to someone? So I made a commitment, this is maybe about five years ago, to respond to every vendor and to at least say like, wow. um, no, sorry, you know, not the right fit. And what happened was, okay, the ones that weren't a right fit went away. Like they left, they left me alone and, and um, because they weren't the right fit. And the ones that I engaged with, you know, maybe it wasn't the right time. It was kind of like not the right fit, not the right time. Um, maybe let's explore it some more and right. kind of bucketed people. And so I, I ended up with 
um, relationships with people. And you never know. And you've been a person over that we've interacted over the past couple of years, right? And, and we're doing business together now. And I've learned a lot from you. And that's a really valuable partnership. And so that's one thing. I like my LinkedIn's grown quite a bit since then. So I can't respond. I have an auto message. So I can't yeah. respond to everyone now, unfortunately. I'd love to. Uh, but I do respond to some. And so my, you should send me a LinkedIn message. You'll see what my auto response says. And I, there's something I totally will respond to. <laughs> um, but I think also, and I encourage my team to explore things that might make sense as well, because I can learn a lot from you. I can learn a lot from watching a demo, reading a one pager, looking. I can learn about what's new or what's next in the world of work. What should I be paying attention to? Um, you know, what are other companies doing in the people experience space? What? So that's that is something I am. It's vendors are one of my biggest sources of learning, and I think that's a huge opportunity for HR professionals. Yeah, that's 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 what I think the entire approach needs to be. Is you have a great ed, approach, ed, 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 educational. Um, you know, I, I was talking about this with uh, with Jay on the podcast before, but a conference, we'll just say uh, that she went to. None of the every vendor session had this great title of like improving the workforce of today, and then you went in and it was a demo, and it was a demo, and that's I, I think that's a total. No, no. Like if you're going to say, hey, we're going to have demo time, come see a demo of our product. Yeah. But that's a huge missed opportunity to give back. You yeah. have data, you have knowledge, you have a perspective that's not in the seat of HR. And if you can help the people in the seat of HR with that perspective, then it's really additive. Then you're really yeah. truly becoming a vendor partner, not just someone expanding your business. And yeah. if you do it that way, I think you expand your business faster, wider, yeah. better, and with a lot more integrity. Two of my really good friends, Nikki and, and Fran, are vendors in the people space, yep. right? And yep. if we exclude those folks, or if I had never picked up, you know, the the Twitter message, whatever, I, I would not have these people in my life. And Jay, too. I, I, I love Jay. And, and um, I think that's kind of incumbent on the conference planners to take a look at that because if you go in expecting one thing and you get another, it's uh, and there's a time and a place for demos. And usually that's on the show floor and yeah. some, some shows do it better than others. Absolutely. And uh, the one thing I want to really key on that you said is, I, and just say thank you for all us vendor folks out there is uh, thank you for responding when you can. I don't expect everybody to, but it just helps me. The last thing I want to do is be, bugging you about employee engagement if you're yeah. if you're like hey man we're bringing on an hris right now like, yeah. <laughs> like leave yeah. me alone like uh and i'll leave them alone because i don't want to be bothering them and yeah. vendors when people do tell you don't say oh good they responded i'm gonna try to keep the conversation going yeah. listen to them when they respond yeah. if it's not the right time don't keep pushing maybe set a follow-up at best but let it go because and here, if you yeah. bother them, they're not going to respond. <laughs> right. And and here's two tips. If you personalizing the message is great, but if you personalize, get the name right. I got a hi Rachel the other day from oh, someone, boy. and um, <laughs> the other tip is don't send a seven paragraph message. I am automatically not going to read that, and that's part of what my message says. But if you send a quick hey, you know, here's what gets people usually, me included, love that post that you wrote love to talk to you about blah, blah, blah. I might still say no, but that's going to show me you actually know who I am. 
you know, and not just that yeah. reference something specific, right? Or someone, you know, someone told me to talk to you, or I talked to someone at the Granite Group who gave me your name. Well, who was that person, right? So, yes. so personalize it and actually like know who you're talking about or know something about the company too. So that's like five tips, but there you go. I'll take those five tips. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, Tracy, it's been a pleasure uh, seeing you on on screen, uh, having this great conversation. And I genuinely, I know you, you've got a very busy schedule out there on the conference circuit. You're, you're running an entire people team uh, for a, a quick growing business or a rapidly scaling growing business. I, I just genuinely appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. It's, this has been the highlight of my day for sure. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for being flexible. We had to reschedule, I know, at the very last minute. So I, I appreciate the flexibility. You have to be flexible. That's uh, that's how the world is these days. Flexibility wins. Uh, Laura and I are going to jump in and do what we are calling the HR News Feed. And we hope you stick around for that. But Tracy, thanks again. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Tom. All right, I am extremely excited for a new segment we call the HR Feed. My producer, Laura, and I have these great conversations every time we record, and we're always talking about what we see in Twitter or in the news um, or on TV and what it relates to the workforce. And we thought, let's bring that to the podcast. So I want to welcome Laura, who's been at every episode, not behind the mic. I like to have her step up to the mic. Laura, welcome to All About HR officially. Ah. Hello. Yeah, it's exciting to be uh, talking to you with the record button on. So, Laura, I think uh, I think the idea for this is you're going to bring some ideas, bounce them off me, and we're going to talk about what uh, what resonates and what we think. Is that correct? Yeah, that is that is correct. Fantastic. So, what did you see out there this last week? Okay, uh, so I pulled this one from some uh, some articles that are trending on uh, De- for Deloitte. It is. Location-based pay considerations are all over the map. So that is literally true, right? Like the people are physically all over the map. So, um, so then how companies and what their approach is to where their employees are located are literally all over the map. So a United States-based real estate marketplace company implemented a policy that allows workers to earn equal salaries regardless of their location, which has helped uh, enhance retention and workforce satisfaction. A separate U.S. software company takes a similar tack, adjusting its pay according to a single city in a country as it operates worldwide, allowing workers to move domestically or emigrate uh, depending on their financial needs. Thoughts, reactions, hot takes. Hot take, pay should have to do with the value I bring to the job, the company, to the customers. Pay should be about the job I'm doing, not where I'm doing it. That's that's my initial, and I think it, a staying strong thought on that. Having lived in New York and having moved to Denver from Santa Barbara, I've lived in some of the more expensive places in the country. And honestly, I mean, Denver, pay here in the city of Denver is relatively low for a really high cost of living, but it's still much easier to live here than out in California. So I think, A, what I said before, pay should equate to your job and the value you bring. But I also do understand, I I think it maybe should go the opposite direction of, all right, you're leaving San Francisco, moving to Austin. We're going to punish you because it's like you're giving yourself a raise. You're now going to have a lower salary. I think that's totally wrong. But I, on the flip side, I don't think it's totally wrong if you're in, your company's in San Francisco, it's got really high costs, adding a little bit more pay for the people that live there. So I think it might be something to where if organizations are adding because they recognize that you're in a more expensive spot, I get that. But I don't think it should ever go backwards. It should be value-based. 
What are your thoughts, Laura? Uh, I think it's tricky, and I and I I bet laws, I bet tax laws are going to start changing, like from state to state, um, to look at how to be more accommodating to those particular situations and make it a little bit easier for employers to have workforce literally all across all over the map. So. Um, I think that's probably what we're looking at in the next 10 to 20 years that we'll, we'll start. This will be a very different conversation, I will say, in maybe even the next five years. I agree. That was a good one. What else do you have? Okay. Do as I say, not as I do, won't help workers' well-being. So in an effort to model behaviors that reflect mental wellness, the CEO of an IT service management company sought to encourage workers to take a vacation by sharing his own plans for an upcoming vacation with his direct reports during a meeting. He then asked workers to write to him personally and share their vacation plans to further embolden workers to take meaningful time off. What are your hot, hot takes, thoughts? My dad used to say, do as I say, not as I do to me. And I always kind of got the irony of it, but... It's funny you said that. It just kind of took me way back uh, to being a kid. You have to model. Leadership always has to be from the front. You have to model it. You have to take your time off. Our CEO takes his time off and he, and I respect it. When I take my time off, I know it's going to be respected. So I think it's, I, I think it's just a basic tenant, not even about time or, or PTO or anything. It's just about pure leadership. And if everyone's job's important, but how can Elon Musk run Tesla and how can Elon Musk run, you know, the boring company? How can he make those cool blowtorches? Like how can he be on boards of directors at other companies? How can he have all that time and still have time off? Uh, You know, Hearst Castle, like the old Hearst Media, he ran 26 businesses. So if these folks can run 26 businesses, and your CEO or running one, you can step away from that business for a little bit. You can hire right, you can set it up, and you can set that example. So I absolutely think uh, it needs to be modeled top to bottom. Yes, um, definitely agree. And I feel like it's organizations that have, we'll say, um, an old school mentality of in-office work versus remote work where they feel like, okay, I just want to see people physically in the office because if I physically see you, then I know you're here and I know that's how I know you're working, which to me is absurd. It should be, if that is how you know somebody's working, I feel like your measurements of work are terrible. Yes. And I, it's, and, and, and success. Your measurements of work and success are kind of terrible. So it should be, you should have better metrics and measurements of success than if people are getting their work done and and those measurements and metrics are being met, then yeah, who who's to say where this work actually gets done is, you know, I'm not sure that that's something that is then a factor. So I'll give a plug for The Daily, a podcast by the New York uh, Times. Today is... August 24th. But if you look at August 24th of the daily, they have a 30 minute show called the rise of workplace surveillance. And it's just about how these companies are trying to just literally turn every second you have into a data point, And then that's what your performance is on. And that's, that's just wild stuff. So it, it's a really big lesson. I'm not going to go all the way down that rabbit hole, but it's along these lines of you got to hire the right people. You got to trust them to do what they do and you got to support them to do what they do. And they'll do great things. If you treat people like a commodity, if you treat people like just ones and zeros, uh, they're going to be disengaged. They're going to 
whatever your definition of quiet quit is, they're they're going to be actively disengaged. They're not going to put their best in. They're not even going to work their full time. They're not going to give the right effort. And they're probably going to talk to other kids, other, not kids, other people at their work about how they feel too. And that's going to spread or could spread. Oh, if the, if the way then people are managing is I'm just going to watch you and track your every movement of what you and your keystrokes. Yeah, that's that's a that's terrible. That is a terrible way to observe work and to see if somebody's doing a good job or not. Yeah, it, it, just like Tracy said earlier in the podcast, the managers, your frontline leaders, yeah. are such a key determining factor of success of your organization. You have to set that example, and you have to be able to develop these people. Yeah. Yeah, All right. that's it. Okay. Yeah, this has been great, Laura. Um, thank you very much for bringing these. Uh, these are great articles. Uh, uh, I hadn't found either of them, so that's awesome. Thank you. We'll put links to those in the uh, in the show notes. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of All About HR. It's been an absolute pleasure. We want to thank Tracy Sponenberg for joining us once again. And Laura, always a pleasure. We'll do this again in about two weeks. We'll see you all soon. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.